Assalamualaikum as is the norm, we have two topics for you today. The first topic, uh, which we shall start imminently, is about going back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how exciting uh, that is for uh, for some students, but I'm, I I know of quite a few parents who are actually uh, looking forward to that. Um, uh, what your thoughts on or quick thoughts on that, uh, Imam Usman? Uh, sorry, Imam Akram. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, Ever Merciful. I mean, uh, I think uh, the first topic uh, which we're going to discuss today, uh, going back to school and, um, you know, new adventures, new beginnings, I think it's a very much uh, related topic uh, to, you know, uh, current situation because um, the, the people's uh, students are going back to school mm-hmm. in the, some uh, uh, September, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. In, a, in a week's time. In a hopefully. week's time. So uh, I think it's always uh, a very memorable moment uh, when you go back to school. And even uh, for the new children who are joining school uh, this this year. So um, I think uh, um, uh, schools, uh, my profound memory in schools are not study at all. It's <laughs> friends, I think. Yeah, yeah. Friends and uh, the teachers um, uh, from which I learn a lot about Correct. life, about yeah. you know religion and um, general in, in, in life. So I think um, um, this is a very uh, good topic to I talk Absolutely, about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very opportune as well. I was just talking mm-hmm. to a young parent mm-hmm. uh, who has, I think, a five-year-old who's about to, I think, go uh, in year one. So so I uh, don't know about the child, but the parents are certainly very excited mm-hmm. uh, that the children will, uh, the child will actually be going to full-time school uh-huh. uh, after having stayed <laughs> home for a long time and mm-hmm. having been on their nerves mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So that's something that they are uh, very much expecting yeah. and so anticipating. My, my, my niece, uh, uh, who I think she's just uh, four years of uh, age, and uh, she's going to join school this year. And you know, their parent, they're trying to uh, say to him that, uh, say to her that, you know, um, she 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 likes wearing makeup, her mom's lipstick and stuff. Yeah. So um, you are telling him that you're not allowed to wear makeup, and you have to behave in a certain way, yeah. and you have to get up early in the morning. So you can prepare children like that, you yeah, know, sure. and uh, you know. Uh, uh, living, uh, you know, giving them um, uh, uh, inside ahead that you're going to make a friend there and, you know, you're going to learn a lot of just, things. So. Just to mentally prepare, just yeah. to make it easy uh, yeah. for them, especially if they're new. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. So that's topic one, mm-hmm. uh, going back to school. The second topic is about belief, belief in God. Uh, and that is something that uh, is uh, is very close uh, to heart here <coughs> with us in the Amity Muslim community, something mm-hmm. that... Uh, uh, that we thoroughly believe in and uh, and practice day in day out. So do join us for that discussion, almost in an hour's time or less than an hour's time. So hopefully, um, mm-hmm. you know, right after five p.m. So those are the two topics. Um, back to school. So mm-hmm. new beginnings, new adventures as we dive into the exciting world of starting a new school year. From the nervous anticipation of the first day to the friendships that blossom, we'll explore the the journey of students embarking on fresh academic endeavors today we'll be discussing topics on organization making new friends and embracing change along with heartwarming stories and expert insight get ready 
for a lively and informative show uh, that w- will inspire both students and parents as we celebrate the joy of new beginning and the limitless possibilities that lie ahead. In the convocation ceremony of Jamia Ahmadiyya UK in 2013, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah be his helper, said, Always try to excel in seeking knowledge. Never assume that you have gained enough religious knowledge. Where you try to gain secular knowledge, you should always be trying to increase your religious understanding. There is no limit to gaining religious education. In a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, it is mentioned that you should seek knowledge from the cradle to your grave. Therefore, we should always be trying to increase in knowledge. I remember this, uh, you know, uh, this address of His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad. I was there actually, and uh, he, you know, c- quite eloquently emphasized that uh, you know Islam is a religion, uh, which you know emphasize on your studies and on learning. So, for example, look at the first revelation of the Holy Prophet peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the word, the first, the the word of first revelation was mm. Iqra, mm. which means read. Absolutely. And uh, you know um, the Holy Prophet وسلم, in, in one of the hadiths he says that whoever has a two daughter and uh, he he teaches them you know uh, good manner and teaches them worldly and secular yeah. uh, secular and religious knowledge yeah. then uh, there is a reward for him uh, for for uh, there is a reward for him uh, paradise is a reward for him yeah. so I think uh, in Islam the the teachings or or the study or the you know uh, general general acquiring knowledge is very much emphasized and this is what the saying that the holy prophet sallallahu says that acquire knowledge uh, from the cradle to your grave absolutely so all those parents children that are going to school for the first time um, or the children are, are starting school for the first time they'll be going through a bit of an e- emotional time mm-hmm. mixed with ex- excitement anxiety uh, a bit of pride all mixed together Mm-hmm. So, um, as you were saying earlier, so how do you how do you ease that process? So, uh, the first one is uh, is perhaps you know separation anxiety. So how how can you help mm-hmm. ease that? So and you you need to understand that it's an it's natural for your child to feel anxious about right. being away from you. You should ease that transition by gradually exposing them to short separations and building trust in teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, a trust with teachers and, um, and and talking about you know going to school perhaps uh, every day as well. Absolutely, I mean uh, it is very important that uh, you know you talk with your uh, children's teacher. Uh, for example, sometimes uh, you know children they have uh, certain kind of, kind of allergies from from nuts or something like that. So and sometimes the, the 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 children have you know special needs. So I think it is uh, very important that you talk with your uh, children's uh, you know, teacher, and uh, if there is anything uh, to convey uh, in, in important information about your ch- child, then you should talk about uh, you know uh, to teachers, and then uh, you know, of course, we're talking about um, uh, you know uh, when new ch- children they go to school, so um, you know, creating a comforting routine. And, uh, you know, a craft a const- constant morning routine that includes time for breakfast, you know, packing their bags and sharing positive information. And uh, this routine can help your child feel more at ease and confident about the school day. 
um, I think before joining the school, it is it is important uh, for parent to to you know to give them give their child a routine so they can after joining the school uh, they can you know uh, they can feel more relaxed and uh, confident. Then uh, if we talk about embracing um, you know um, embracing the milestone together. So uh, approach this new adventure as a team, involving your child in the, in the excitement of preparing for school, engage in conversation about the fun experiences they'll have, new friends they'll make, and the knowledge they'll gain. So I think um, talking to your child when uh, sending them to school, especially the, the new students, new, uh, new, you know, it is very important that you talk the process and you tell them and you prepare them mentally and physically. So I think uh, these are the aspects we should look into. Absolutely. Um, and on that note, uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk to our first guest who shall talk about uh, their anxieties and their um, um, uh, what is it that they're looking forward to uh, when the new school year starts. Do stay tuned. God is the light of the heavens and the earth. Every light that is visible on the heights or in the valleys, whether in souls or in bodies, whether personal or impersonal, whether apparent or hidden, whether in the mind or outside it, is a bounty of his grace. This is an indication that the general grace of the Lord of the worlds envelops everything and nothing is deprived of that grace. He is the source of all grace, the ultimate cause of all lights and the fountainhead of all mercies. His being is the support of the universe and is the refuge of all high and low. He it is who brought everything out of the darkness of nothingness and bestowed upon everything the mantle of being. No other being than him is in himself present and eternal or is not the recipient of his grace. Earth and heaven, man and animals, stones and trees, souls and bodies have all come into existence by his grace. What is jihad? Jihad is an Arabic word that means striving for a particular objective. In the Holy Quran, when Allah, God, calls upon people to engage in jihad, this refers to striving for a noble cause. This jihad can be carried out in many ways, all of which seek to establish and promote peace in society. The struggle for self-reformation. This is considered the greatest jihad, as it is the struggle against our selfish temptations such as greed, lust, and other worldly desires. It requires us to become more self-disciplined so that we are able to exercise moral control over our thoughts and actions. The duty of Muslims to convey the true message of Islam to others. The Holy Quran stresses that this form of jihad must be carried out with wisdom, tolerance and respect for others and their beliefs, and prohibits the use of any coercion or force. The spending of one's wealth to help the needy. Helping those in need, irrespective of their colour, creed or race, is a form of jihad that not only helps to alleviate the suffering of mankind, but also establishes social peace and harmony between the rich and the poor. The Defensive Battle The Holy Quran has made clear that this type of jihad, which is a jihad of the lower order, 
can only take place in certain circumstances. These circumstances are described in the following verses of the Holy Quran. Permission to fight is given to those against whom war is made, because they have been wronged, and Allah indeed has power to help them. Those who have been driven out from their homes unjustly only because they said, Our Lord is Allah. And if Allah did not repel some men by means of others, they would surely have been pulled down cloisters and churches and synagogues and mosques, wherein the name of Allah is oft commemorated. Chapter 22, verse 40 to 41. From this it is clear that Muslims can only take up arms in self-defense if they have suffered oppression faced a threat to their life and been driven out of their homes simply for practicing their religion. In fact, according to Islam, if Muslims are persecuted for practicing their religion, then they should first leave the place where they are being oppressed and seek a new abode. If even in their new abode, the oppressor continues to threaten their lives and continues to attack them in order to stop them from practicing their religion, then Muslims have been given the right to take up arms in self-defense. It is important to note that the battle can only be defensive and not an offensive one. This is reaffirmed in the Holy Quran that states, And fight in the cause of Allah against those who fight against you, but do not transgress. Surely Allah loves not the transgressors. Chapter 2, verse 191. Should the need for a defensive battle arise, then Islam also provides Muslims clear instructions regarding what can and cannot be done. For example, civilians who are not fighting against Muslims are not to be attacked. Properties such as crops or other sources of food and water, hospitals, orphanages, places of worship of all religions are not to be destroyed, and women and children, the old and the disabled, are to be left untouched. Hence, it is very clear that the purpose of any such battle is to restore peace and not to promote aggression. Jihad in all its forms is therefore a means to promote peace, both in ourselves and in our society. Any action, therefore, that does not promote peace cannot be referred to as jihad. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to this live edition of the Drive Time Show from the South London Studios of Voice of Islam. Today is Monday the 28th of August 2023. The time is 4.25 and as promised earlier, we're about to go to our first guest, for the evening uh, or the afternoon. Um, and our first guest uh, today to talk about going back to school and probably help us a little bit about exam prep as well is Rene Josephs, who is a first year student at the Molloy University and will be studying nursing. Uh, Josephs has a full ride scholarship and will be able to give a few tips, hopefully, um, on time management and exam preparation. Assalamu alaikum, peace be with you. A very warm welcome to the Drive Time Show. Thank you very much, uh, Rene, for uh, for joining us. Um, uh, firstly, tell us, so, so you will be going into your first year now, right? Or you've done yes. your first year? I will be going into my first year. You will be joining. Okay, excellent. So so tell us about that. Uh, tell us about about your nerves first. I mean, how uh, nerves, excitement, or excited nerves. Uh, tell us. A little bit of both. Uh, I'm both nervous and excited. I'm excited to start this new chapter, and I'm nervous because this is my my first year in college. I I don't know what it's like 
So hopefully everything goes well. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yes, we, we wish you all the very best. Um, uh, before I go into um, into the topic itself, what really brought you into nursing? Why, why nursing? Nursing because I grew up around family who were sick and they needed help from nurses. And I saw how much of a benefit they were to my, my family. Hmm. So I took great inspiration upon that. And I was like, I, I want to impact people that same very way how they impacted uh, my, my close personal family who was sick. And yes, I, I see how nurses change lives. Absolutely. I want to do the same thing. Yeah, no, I, it's a very, very noble profession. So yeah, all, all the very best and excellent uh, choice there. So um, yeah, so you... you you would have uh, recently got, uh, I would have uh, imagined, your A-levels uh, results. Um, uh, so maybe, yeah, those those students who are starting their final GCSE year, final A-levels, what would your advice be to them in terms of um, time management? I would say to be organized with everything. Try to plan your day out the T. Even though sometimes it's unrealistic to follow it, it's good to have a guide and map out what your day is going to be like, as well as um, schedule breaks to avoid burnout, because burnout is real, and if you just study and don't allow yourself to have breaks, it's easy to get tired of everything, and you might miss the opportunity to be motivated when you actually need to do something important. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'd also recommend studying before classes. Look at your syllabus, or if you don't have a syllabus, which most people do, um, you can ask your teacher, what what are we going to do? What is our next topic in our class? And study at home beforehand. You Mm -hmm. can get ahead of the class. And it makes learning way easier when you actually go to class because you gave yourself that that background knowledge of what you needed to to know for the class. Mm Mm-hmm. Arini, um do you believe in the concept of uh, you know work-life balance? Because I've seen some students, uh, whether they study so much and ending up there, you know, affecting their health, or they study, uh, you know, uh, they don't study at all. So how do you, you know, ensure you know um, you're taking care of your personal well-being while manage your studies? I I do heavily believe in a in a work-life balance. Because it is very easy to get uh, lost in in all of the work, and like I said before, you can experience burnout. And I I personally do this by taking breaks. Mm-hmm. Despite studying a lot, I I try to take a lot of breaks. Okay. And I also prioritize self care, like journaling or taking care mm-hmm. of my my appearance or. Anything mental health related, I listen to music, put on a face mask, something to make myself feel good and not just focus solely on working, working, working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, you know, uh, have you identified any, you know, time wasting uh, wasting habits that you are actively working to eliminate? Definitely. <laughs> I, I've been trying to cut back on scrolling on social media 
because I feel like that's a lot of things young people struggle with mm-hmm. nowadays with Instagram and TikTok right. and all of those those apps that give you a huge dopamine rush. I, I try to cut back on social media because it can be very distracting mm-hmm. and it, it, it's a great tool for procrastinating. Right. And it's a, it's a work in progress for me. I, mm-hmm. I try my best not to use those apps, but mm-hmm. I'm human. <laughs> do you want to give any tips uh, or um, so how to eliminate these kind of distractions, especially social media and sometimes you know, using mobile a lot? your cell phone and uh, personally I you know when I was studying uh, I used to talk with my friend and you go out with my friend a lot and that's what uh, you know the, the one thing which I you know I think I wasted my time there so uh, is there any trips which you want to you know give to the uh, students think about the fact that uh, social media won't matter when in like 10 years when when you need to graduate with your, your PDH or but like or your masters or things like that. I also advise um, setting up screen time. Mm-hmm. Some phones have the ability to to where you can set up screen time mm-hmm. and it can tell you how much time for the the day you're spending on certain apps and it can give you a, a reality check. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, um, what strategies do you, you know, imply when facing a tight deadline or a challenging topic that requires extra time and effort? Uh, a strategy I use would be try try breaking down that challenging task into into smaller tasks. It makes it a lot when you see a huge task, you're like, oh my gosh, it's I have so much to do. When you when you break down that that huge task into smaller tasks, it makes it it, it makes it a lot easier to to do because you're breaking those tasks down in manageable chunks. And also take breaks and practice self care. Take breaks when you're when you've broken down the the challenging task. Take breaks in between those smaller tasks that you you broke it down into. Mm-hmm. What advice uh, would you give to students starting to school, you know, a school year regarding time management, especially? Time management. Definitely schedule, organize everything, try to write everything down that you need to do so you have an idea of what you need to do. And take breaks. Mm-hmm. Take Definitely take breaks. It's, it's super easy to get lost into into whatever you're doing and burnout burnout is burnout is easy to, to get so take definitely take breaks and mm-hmm. try to like schedule everything that you need to do um I want to spend a couple of minutes, a uh, couple of more minutes, I should say, uh, Rene, talking about uh, your program. I'm really intrigued. Uh, as I said earlier, this is such a noble profession and uh, such an excellent choice that you've made. So how long is your uh, program going to be? Four years. Right. And, and yeah? Yeah, it's, it's four years. I, I graduate with a bachelor's and... Then I'd work for two years, get some experience, and then if I wanted to further my, my education and become a nurse practitioner or or a CRNA, then 
I I take two or three years more of school, but it's four years for now. <laughs> right, and and what's the difference between um, between a nurse practitioner and the degree that you will get after these four years? Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. A nurse practitioner. Uh, they're more of a a leader in. They're above the RN. A registered nurse is. They they do IVs stuff like that and the nurse practitioner is kind of the the boss <laughs> of that okay they they deal with less more like less inter- patient interactive uh, activities right okay and at what uh, level or in which year do you actually get to um i i hate to use the term but practice your skills <laughs> on on patients uh, as soon as you graduate with the bachelor's, after right. the four years, yeah. Not not <laughs> during, during the program. School, yeah, even during um, even during school, I I start hmm. interacting with patients uh, my second year hmm. of of college okay. uh, for clinicals. I I don't get paid, but it's it's good experience because when you actually when actually getting paid to do it at least you you've had the experience doing it in school so for my the three years other than the first year because in the first year you just learn uh things out of textbook in the three years you're gonna be doing a lot of hands-on learning uh with nursing so it prepares you for when you when you graduate excellent renee thank you so very much for joining us um really enjoy talking to you all the very best with uh, an excellent profession that you've chosen all the very very best with your studies and all the very best with your year one thank you so much and thank you for having me thank you so much thank you for your time <clears throat> may peace be with you so that was uh, uh, uh natasha uh, that was the uh, renee josephs who is um, uh, going to be joining a nursing a four-year nursing program at Molloy University. Let us uh, go now straight to our second guest for this afternoon, who is uh, Ms. Natasha Noor, um, who is a mother of two boys. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. Thank you for joining us. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Thank you very much, uh, Ms. Noor, for joining us. Uh, firstly, tell us uh, the ages of your two boys. <laughs> Yeah, one is uh, nine years old and the other one is six years old. Nine and six. So, so both have been in school for for at least a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both, yeah. Okay, right. So are they excited? Are they looking forward to going back to school? Yeah, too much, you know, because it has been a hard time for them to stay in house. You know, the UK weather has been so unpredictable this time during summers. So mm-hmm. we can't have a best holiday this time. So that's why now they're really excited to go back to school. Are you excited that they are going back to school? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm sure yeah, you'll, be, you'll be getting some much-deserved uh, uh, time on your hands. Okay, so starting school is a, is a big step for, ch- for for children. Can you, uh, as, your child, as, as your boys have been going to school for a, a few years now, share some highlights um, or maybe some insights from your own experience about how you prepare your kids um, every year, you know, after this long break, going back into school? Yeah, well, uh, I I just had a hard time for my elder one. And he has been an excellent teacher for the other one, you know. Uh, when he started going to school, the elder child, the one who is nine, uh, I had a hard time to make him ready to go to school every morning uh, to encourage him towards the studies. Uh, 
but he has been an excellent teacher for the little one, you know. So uh, I, I didn't do too much for the little one, but for the elder one, I had to do a lot. I, I suffered a lot, you know. Uh, the complaints came from school as well. Sometimes he was not talking, he was not in much confidence. He was not very good in studies. But now, alhamdulillah, uh, he's going well and uh, he, he, he led the other one as well. Mm-hmm. So Natasha, as the saying goes, you know, if you have a he- healthy body, you have a healthy you know, mind. So um, creating healthily and like, you know, uh, likable lunches can be a challenge for parents. So what are yeah. some creative and, you know, nutritious lunch ideas you have found uh, to be hit with your children, especially considering their age? Uh, well, uh, at my side, uh, I have always encouraged the children to eat what is available at house. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't make them too cheesy. So what I feel, sandwiches are the best ever option. And uh, among sandwiches, try to go towards the vegetarian options. Right. Because uh, if you go towards meat options, uh, you know, uh, when the lunch becomes packed for about four to five hours, so the meat can have a bit fussy smell in there. So when after five hours they will open the box, they might not like it too much. Mm-hmm. So it's better to give them something that uh, that that stays fresh. So mm-hmm. from uh, in my opinion, vegetarian options they are the best. Sometimes egg mayo, sometimes lettuce sandwich, and like that. And they definitely like that. And even mm-hmm. sometimes if they want something that has to stay fresh, so uh, I make it in a fresh way near their break time, and then I will go to their school to hand over to the school office so that they can take them during the break time to them. So that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Very well said. So, you know, Natasha, managing healthy meals, you know, on a budget, especially in this, you know, circumstances where, you know, um, everyone is struggling uh, to pay their rents and, you know, uh, with their daily, you know, um, day-to-day life. Um, healthy meals are, you know, it is very... It's a concern for the parents. Uh, okay. So uh, could you share some tips or strategies you have discovered for producing nutritious meals for your children without breaking the bank? Um, first of all, if uh, if I'm not choosy, then my children will not be choosy. Mm. I always accompany them on the dining table and what I want them to eat, I will eat the same. Right. Uh, so uh, I always swap the meals with uh, some vegetables, sometimes meat. Always I will have a snack or a dessert after the meal. And that is only available if they have to finish their meal, you know. Uh, so uh, rice, salad, encourage them to eat them. Morning, you, you can uh, give them a healthy big breakfast, ideally a cereal and a boiled egg and uh, lunches. And then when they come back from school, I will give them a healthy snack, like uh, you can give them crumpets or a sandwich. Then uh, go for the dinner time at 7 p.m. and then a bedtime tea that can be a hot chocolate or that can be a warm milk. Mm -hmm. And accompany milk with some favorite cookies like that. Try to cover up the sugar content, Mm -hmm. Uh, not too much sugar and not very less sugar. So fruits. Uh, try to give them fruits in the snack times and also in the packed lunches I always give them a fruit and for the snack time you can give them a healthy shake mm-hmm. you know we can buy the multi-buy things the juices the multi-buy shakes the multi-buy yogurts we can have so that doesn't make too much expenses on us but we can satisfy the children according to their demands according to their needs as well 
Right, right. I think there you mentioned a very, you know, uh, very important point that uh, whatever you want them to eat, you also, you know, eat along with them. I think yes. because, you know, ch- children are great mimic. Uh, whatever their parents do, they, they just copy their parents. Yeah, and yeah. similarly, it goes with, you know, religious teaching. If you want to, uh, if you want you, your child to, you know, to, to pray, then uh, the the uh, parents has to set a role model for their children. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's very important that, uh, you know, you set, you should set your role model and then obviously advising them that, you know, this is good for you and this is bad for you. Now, if we talk about, you know, the school yeah, uniform, yeah. Uh, you know, it can sometimes be a point of excitement for for you know kids. How did you in uh, you know uh, involve your young children in the process of selecting and preparing their school uniform? And did you uh, encounter any interesting stories along the way? Natasha. Uh, not that much because um, honestly speaking, my children are not very much uh, interested in that. Mm-hmm. In shopping, I always go alone and I will buy everything myself and they will just ask and that's it. What they uh, are interested in is the lunchbox, sometimes bottles. This time we will have this lunchbox like bottles and lunch bags. There they are interested, but not in the school uniforms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. So as a parent of, you know, young children, you're likely to have, you know, um, you know, vulnerable yeah. insights on maintaining a balance between school, family and personal time. How do you manage to keep this balance uh, while ensuring your children have a positive and fulfilling school experience? Uh, yeah, well, uh, the best ever way is to give them their own time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they come back from school, uh, I, I never push them to do this, 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 and this. Okay, you can have a video game. You can play in the garden. Mm-hmm. Just give them one hour to spare so that they can uh, refresh their minds. And the first important thing is that if we maintain the regular congregational prayers at our house, uh, at our homes, that will give them an excellent routine to follow. Uh, most of the year, we can have uh, a cell prayer after the school time, most of the time. So if you're following... Congregational prayers, Asr, then comes Maghreb and Isha. So these two times can be ideal so that we can accompany our child. We can have a religious talk as well. If we do Quran reading daily, that is an excellent thing. So between these, we can have their spare time. You can have a talk with them about um, about how did they do at school, what did they read today, what did they study today. And another thing that can, uh, that can put an extra interest in the talks mm. like we can share our own childhood experiences with them but what what happened to us when we were in school we, mm. even if we were punished by our teacher or our parents we can also tell them so that so, so they will be encouraged that it is not a very bad thing to be punished in the school so that they cannot be scared the next time mm-hmm. so um, that's it that, like um, you can maintain your religious routines you can do book reading book reading is an excellent option for the bedtime especially right. and uh, Book readings options like you can have from Al-Islam, you can have the other story books, the books of their own choice. So don't push them so much, but to have, an, uh, to have a routine, it is better to enjoy the religious routine and the other at the same time. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very, very much, Ms. Natasha Noor.
Really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, lovely speaking to you and all the very best with the new school year and all the very best uh, to your boys as well. So that was uh, Ms. Natasha, Natasha Noor. Who right, is, okay. Thank you. Jazakallah. Thank you. Jazakallah. May peace be with you. So that was uh, Ms. Natasha Noor, who is the mother of two boys. Uh, let me go straight now to the last guest for this segment, who is Ms. Afsha Mubashar, who is an A-level student uh, from Scotland. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. Thank you for joining us. So, uh, Ms. Mubashar, we were talking earlier with, with somebody who's, um, who's going to be joining a nursing program. So she's, uh, she's into uh, university life and, um, uh, and you are uh, an A-level student. Are you in the final year uh, A-levels? I just finished my A-levels last year, so I'll be starting university this year. Oh, you will also be starting university. So tell us about mm-hmm. that. Uh, so w- what program, um, uh, what are you going to be reading at university? I'm going to be studying neuroscience. Right, neuroscience. Okay, uh, and and where are you planning to read that? University of Glasgow. All right, excellent. So are you, was that your first choice, if I may? Okay. Excellent. Um, excited about going to university? Yes, I am. Very looking forward to the experience. I'm very interested in this topic. So it would be nice to learn more in depth about the brain and the system and everything. Sure, absolutely. Right, so uh, you've done your A-levels. Tell us maybe, give our listeners somebody who is uh, who will be starting their final A-levels year um, this year or maybe even the GCSE year. Any any top tips that you can give them uh, to help them? Um, say from the start of year, the year, make sure you do small intervals going up to exams. Say when you get to marks, like from the start of the year, you do say two hours a day. But then when you get to your mocks, which are usually around November, December time, they do like four hours a day of revision because it's very important to keep that consistentness going throughout the year because if you leave everything for the last minute, it gets very hard to keep up. Mm-hmm. So I'll say to keep like notes your notes up to date all the time because if you try to keep make notes at the end of the year when exams are like say a week away or two weeks away it gets you get distracted by making notes and you don't actually get time to revise for the actual exam actually your voice is breaking up a little bit so i don't know whether it's possible for you to move a little bit and uh, maybe where reception is better uh, because you um, sometimes the voice does break up it's better now uh, hopefully, let's yeah. see. <laughs> so, um, you know, maintaining a balance between studies and personal life is a you know is, is a crucial thing. How did you manage your time effectively during GCSEs, and what strategies do you intend to you know employ to ensure a healthy balance during your A levels year? For me, I feel like GCSE was a different experience from the normal one because I did my GCSEs during COVID wasn't very much exams, it was more throughout the year. But during my A-levels, called hires here in Scotland, it's very different because you see you have to be ready for that exam with everything going on. Like personal life can get in the way, but obviously you need to remember that studies are the most important thing at that point in time. So a lot of the time you have to put your social life and stuff like that 
the back burner and concentrate on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, we've lost our connection to um, to Miss Mabasha there, uh, but that's uh, that's fine. I think we got a little bit uh, of an advice from her anyways. Right, okay. We are coming up to the um, to the bottom of the hour anyways and uh, I think it's it's probably time to uh, to wrap up this segment. Uh, a reminder for the second segment. The second segment is about belief, which we shall start right after the 5 o'clock news, so please do um, stay tuned. The um, So in terms of what we're discussing, going back to school, uh, you know, just, uh, just a few things, just a uh, uh, a few pieces of advice that I think a few a uh, few of our guests have also shared to just to summarize. So maybe having firstly having an effective study schedule, mm-hmm. creating a well structured study timetable, allocating time for each subject, incorporating good breaks to prevent burnout there. Then secondly, having some planning, but goal-oriented planning, so setting specific goals for each subject, such as completing a certain number of chapters or practicing a certain number of problems, etc. Then having a a good organized study environment. Environment matters a lot. So, you know, designate a quiet and organized uh, study space where where there are um, minimal distractions. Keep all your study materials, textbooks, notes, stationery, ready, accessible, well organized uh, in a nice, clean, organized space, and 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 that helps as well. Uh, effective note taking. Develop a note taking system that suits your learning style. Whether it's bullet points, some people use mind maps, uh, some people use other um, other apps. So, uh, whatever it is that you um, that you like or that suits your style, uh, it's very important to to take some notes um, in, um, in in whatever fashion you you fancy. Utilizing all the available resources that you have. So these days, schools provide a lot of resources. So there are obviously textbooks and there are teachers, uh, but there are also a lot of online resources, online tutorials, past papers, study guides uh, that you have, and you can uh, use all of those as well. And I would actually encourage our listeners uh, to utilize their teachers to the maximum as well. So, um, you know, if there's something that you don't understand, go after your class. Um, go to the teachers and ask uh, those, those teachers. Really get after them, and uh, because uh, that's what they're uh, there to do, and that's and, and and most teachers actually like doing that, mm-hmm. right? So to to bring an end uh, to this topic, um, uh, Imam Imran Akram, if I can come to you, um, you've obviously gone through seven years of intense study at the Institute of Theology and Water Languages to become an imam in the in the Amdi Muslim community. How did you start your uh, new year every year? Um, what sort of preparations did you do? What sort of prayers did you recite? And how did you approach your new academic year? I think um, for me, as, as a personal um as a person, I always uh, try to look uh, the mistake which I've made in the past years mm-hmm. and try not to repeat them. This is the first so thing. So reflect on the past reflect, year's performance. Reflect okay. on the past performance. Excellent. And then um, making sure I do my best and uh, praying to Allah Ta'ala. Because, uh, you know, as a Muslim, uh, we are taught that, uh, you know, uh, giving your best and praying to Allah Ta'ala is everything. So... Um, and also, um, I was uh, I was 
I was keen to learn, or I was uh, I tried to see other people who are very much in good in their study, how they manage to do, you know, stuff, how they, um, how they study. So I tried to look, uh, I tried to sit with those uh, students who are very good in their studies, and uh, I tried to find how they study, how they make the notes, and uh, um, how they try to memorize. So I find very, uh, you know, important um, point there that uh, the student which I think they're very good in their study they don't try to memorize everything they try to understand it and imply in their real life so I think when you try to understand a thing and once you have uh, understanding of a thing then you can apply in your real life and that's going to stay uh, the thing is going to stay with uh, whole of with you whole of your life so I think uh, reflecting on your mistake praying and then looking other persons how they are managing, how they are progressing their life, and then uh, finding a solution best for you, which suits you. I think this is it. Excellent. Any particular prayers that you can recommend to our listeners? Absolutely. There's a very famous uh, Quranic prayer, Abizidni Ilma, O Lord, increase me in my knowledge. I think um, every mother, uh, when you're small, every mother teaches this prayer to, to the teach young anyways. ones. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I really find this prayer uh, you know, uh, uh, helpful in regards with, with my exam especially because uh, when exam uh, comes at you always a bit nervous and you know and confused pressure, yeah. uh, and pressure so i think this prayer helps me a lot mm-hmm. so uh, yeah and and absolutely and this is a prayer this is an excellent prayer it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a short pl- prayer but it's so impactful it's so powerful and and this is something that you can actually do throughout the year and 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 not just in your uh, just when you're in your academic life i mean uh, uh, knowledge is something that um, uh, one should be attempting mm-hmm. to gain all the time. In fact, I think it's important uh, probably to, to to mention here that in one of the hadiths of the traditions of the Holy Prophet of Islam, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, um, Prophet Muhammad mentioned that knowledge is the lost property of a Muslim. Mm-hmm. So acquiring knowledge, gaining knowledge is something very important. There's another tradition which says that, uh, you know, acquire, go and acquire knowledge even if you have to go as far as China and, and, and you know, just to put that in context, uh, uh, at that time, from the desert of Arabia, China was uh, was considered to be a far far land. So uh, the the message here is, you know, go to any extent that you need to to acquire knowledge, and and the acquisition of knowledge is something which is important for for both men and women mm-hmm. in Islam. It Absolutely. is it is something which is mandatory uh, for equally mandatory for both men and women, and and that's something that. Uh, we, that's a tradition um, we uphold very much, or a teaching we uphold very much in the um, the Muslim community. Right. So that uh, was um, uh, the first segment, which was about going back to school and how best to prepare about going back to school. We shall now take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about belief, the importance of belief, the importance of tawakkal, as uh, as is uh, called with um, in in Arabic. So we shall talk about that, um, and especially in these times, in um, when a lot of people don't think religion has any place in um, in society or in their lives. We will talk about belief. Do join us um, and maybe you will probably learn a thing or two. So do join us after the break. Uh, We shall now take a quick break um, after which there will be uh, news and we will be back to talk about belief after the news break. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to this live edition of the Drive Time Show from South London Studios of Voice of Islam. In the first hour, we've been talking about preparing to go back to school, how to prepare yourself, how to prepare your kids, 
Um, and we've talking, we've we spoke to a few guests there. One, um, a mother of two boys, and. Uh, two students actually who will be starting university and just completed their um, their A-levels so uh, excellent advice uh, from there and if you haven't been able to listen to the first hour please do go into SoundCloud and you can always listen to the recording we are now uh, going to talk about in the second hour uh, on this all important to- topic of belief what is belief and why is uh, belief important? Belief or the Islamic word or the Arabic word tawakkal, which is really trusting in God. So belief is a beautiful thing that brings us, us comfort as we ride the storms of life. But how can we ensure that we we are actually that we are doing um, the rightful, that we we are doing what we need to do to fulfill God's rights? Um, especially when trials and tribulations are upon us and how can we embrace um, uh, how can we become uh, the, the uh, true servants and how can we really get his true love and um, and guidance to uh, to better our souls having full faith in an omnipotent God and having trust in his divine plan for our faiths trusting that everything happens in our lives for a reason including the hardships and sorrows to be um, uh, actually are in the in the best interest for us. So we will explore some faith-inspiring stories of prophets who had the true belief um, in the all, all-powerful God and how they uh, maneuvered uh, through life um, uh, as a result of having that belief. And how can we as believers establish our own trust in Allah, knowing the balance between trusting Him, him and making efforts um, in our lives, so we shall be talking all about that. But um, Imam uh, Imran, what is tawakkul? I think uh, tawakkul. It's a very um, you know sometimes it's a very confusing topic because uh, people you know whatever happened there in their life, sometimes wrong and something good, they always you know blame God. Uh, mm-hmm. This has happened because of God wants. Mm-hmm. But tawakkul is uh, as the Holy Prophet said. Iaqil summa tawakkil. That tie the knot of of your of your camel, and then, then do uh, then, then expect that uh, that he won't run away. Sure. Yeah. So I think giving your best, mm. doing, uh, using all of the means in order to achieve your target, mm. and then doing tawakkul, trust in Allah Taala, doing dua, prayer to Allah Taala, and this is the tawakkul. Sometimes people just you know rely on their uh, on their efforts and do not pray to God. And sometimes they just only do pray and do not use the means. So these both things are wrong. You have to try your best. You have to use every means to, in order to achieve your sub, uh, object. And along with that, you trust and you pray to Allah Ta'ala that uh, whatever is best for me, do that. So this is the tawakkul. Excellent. So mm-hmm. essentially putting trust and reliance on God while taking, as you said, appropriate and responsible actions um, in that direction as well. It's the belief that after you've done everything within your power, now you trust that the outcome is that is is actually going to be in, in the hands of Allah and you uh, then you trust in Him. Tawakkal, as you said, doesn't mean sitting back and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, uh, it, it, it actually means... Um, you know, hmm. doing what what is it, whatever it is that we need to do to make sure that we are doing our part first um, before we um, we actually leave it to God. 
Um, Absolutely. If we especially uh, yeah. talk, um, uh, you know, as you mentioned, tawakkul doesn't mean sitting back and doing nothing. Rather, it involves making effort while acknowledging that the final result is determined by the will of Allah. For example, mm-hmm. Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَلْيَتَوَكَّلُوا إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ That uh, and upon Allah rely if you should be believers. Then Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran elsewhere that وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْسُ لَا يَحْتَسِبُ وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلَ اللَّهُ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ And he who fears Allah, he will make for him a way out and will provide for him from where he accepts not. And he who puts his trust in Allah, he is sufficient for him. So Allah Ta'ala is saying in these verses that you should, you know, should one, one number one point is you should trust in Allah you should fear him doing your best and then allah taala will provide you uh, from 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 the ways that you will not accept you know not you know accept and uh, this is the you know trust putting your trust in god and then allah taala is uh, you know f- will become sufficient for you excellent thank you very much uh, for that uh, imam imran let's go now straight to our first guest for this segment who is uh, mr gulam ahmed uh, from Canada, who is uh, so Ulam Ahmed is a holistic health and life coach. Assalamu alaikum, peace be with you. A warm welcome to the Drive Time Show. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Ahmed, for joining us. Uh, so, firstly, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. What, when we talk about belief, what does belief in God mean to you personally? Um, I would say it would be a support support system and a source of never-ending love. Hmm. Has it been hard? Has what been hard? Um, trusting Allah, especially during difficult times. I I wouldn't say it was hard trusting Him. I would say it's been hard finding him. Hmm. Right. So, in my case, sure, of course, and and we all need to find him. Um, so, what would you then suggest to others uh, who might be listening in to um, to help find him and and develop a bond with Allah? I, th- I think it's a natural progression. I think when someone is in really difficult times they think that they can do it by themselves they've tried everything and it's not working especially if you're in a really difficult spot eventually everyone turns to Allah because they have no other option mm-hmm. I think another natural trajectory that allows people to think of some other being is when they lose someone they love maybe it's a parent sibling or a close relative because that person usually holds a huge space in their heart and when they pass away there's a huge emptiness or a hole and naturally if you've been hurt really badly by someone someone's passing then you think I never want to feel like this again mm-hmm. so you think about who is it that I can attach myself to that doesn't die mm-hmm. so the natural trajectory of thinking about Allah comes into play but I think if someone wants to find Allah I think the first and foremost um, criteria is just pure sincerity you have to have that pain and that desire to, to, to have that connection. And I think 
uh, especially for a lot of the clients that I work with, there's a lot of uh, guilt and shame that people have between them and Allah Ta'ala, maybe because of the, some of the wrongs they've done, some of the sins they've committed, and they feel that they are not going to be forgiven. So they end up putting up these veils in front of, between them and Allah Ta'ala. When Allah Ta'ala is right there, they just don't want to feel him or believe that he's there because they're afraid or they have a lot of shame or they have a lot of guilt. So a lot of the work that I do is help to bring those veils down so that the connection is very, very quick and very, very fast. Because Allah Ta'ala says he's closer to you than your jugular vein. Mm-hmm. So he's very close. Um, I think it's just a matter of us not being able to connect with him. And I believe that um, the third thing to find him or to build a bond with him is to reflect and meditate over the Qur'an. Mm-hmm. I think if you sincerely read the Qur'an, you read the verses and you just think, how is this possible? How has this been written? How would the Holy Prophet know this? It, it, it makes no sense that he would be able to know these things, which could only mean that this is the Word of God. And then when, you, when that moment of awe hits you, that, oh my God, I'm actually reading what the being that has created the entire world has said right now in my hand, it gives you a lot of chills. So I think the Qur'an is a huge place. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Then there's, um, I think the next biggest thing would probably be Salat. But I think the thing is, people don't understand how to read namaz the way that it's meant to be read. Um, oh. I was reflecting on the sirat of the Holy Prophet wasalam, and between the ages of 31 and 40, he used to go to Ghadihra by himself and he used to be on a retreat and he essentially used to meditate for nights on end in a cave by himself and Hazrat Khatija used to send him food for those days and I was thinking what was he doing for those nine years? Mm-hmm. Nine years is a very long time. Right. He's trying to find Allah Ta'ala and he was meditating and he used to probably, I don't know what he was doing, we don't have that record, but he was meditating, he was trying to find him and after nine years he finally found him. And then if Allah Ta'ala taught him how to pray, if Allah Ta'ala taught him how to reach him or how we can all reach him and if we're not reaching him through our prayers, that means we're not praying correctly and we haven't understood how to pray correctly. And there's an amazing book that's on Al-Islam, um, Understanding Salat by Rabbi Rizwan Khan Saab. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend all the listeners to read that book. It will propel you in quantum leaps to be able to make your namaz so much more fruitful and better so you can have a faster and better connection and bond with Allah Ta'ala. Right. Great. Um, Mr. Ahmed, you mentioned that, you know, sometime as a human being, we commit so much, you know, bad things and, you know, crime sometime that uh, we put a curtain between us and God. And sometimes we think that, you know, uh, we can never get out of this situation. Uh, but on the other hand, Allah says that, you know, uh, he can uh, forgive everything. So how can you make people understand that, OK, you have, you have done what you've done? But again, Allah Ta'ala is merciful. How you, you know, approach these kinds of people? So, I think a lot of it has to do with first processing that guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Because you feel that you've committed a sin, so you're wrong. You're evil. You're a bad person. But when you can separate those two things, mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier. Just because you commit a sin doesn't mean that you're a bad person. You've just done something bad. Separate the two things. So that's number one. Number two, when you help them process that guilt and that emotion, um, then they're more able to 
freely go towards Allah Ta'ala and understand that Allah Ta'ala is the most merciful and the most forgiving. So I give some references of the Holy Quran about that as well, like La Taqna Tumi Rahmatullah, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. And also there's another verse where I can't quote it right now, but he pretty much says that if you did not sin and ask for forgiveness, I would create a new creation so that I would forgive you. Right. And um, it's that connection where, you know, I sometimes think about, okay, if, if, if it's a parent, you know, if their child does something bad, <clears throat> mm-hmm. do you still love that child regardless of what they did? You do, right? Yeah, because yeah. they're your child. So I try to build that connection and that relationship. Allah Ta'ala has created you and He loves you more than anybody else can love you. So that starts to build that gap and that bridge and then they start to take some steps and then eventually it opens up the floodgates. Fantastic. Um, uh, Mr. Ahmed, you know, we're talking about tawakkul, reliance on God and putting trust in God's plan. Would you have you know, would you have any strategies for using tawakkul to manage stress and anxiety in, in uh, you know, in modern life? Yeah, absolutely. I have, uh, I'm an artist as well, so I've made a, I've made a little painting for myself where I have put Allah in my, in my office. And the reason I put that there is because that is the ultimate source of finding some peace and some comfort and support when times of stress and difficulties. Because if you become an abd, which is the condition of that verse, if you become his servant, Allah Ta'ala says, am I not enough for you? So if, if, if you rely on that and you know that he's always there, I think what ends up happening is people lose God consciousness. They forget that Allah Ta'ala is there. Because they're so stressed and anxious about whatever the difficulty is, they forget that he's there, and that's why they get into trouble. But if you keep remembering that Allah Ta'ala is there, and you keep reminding yourself that he's enough, hmm. that he will come for your rescue, that he's watching everything, that he's seeing everything that's happening, and everything that's happened, and everything that will happen, and that you put, and you, and you take that leap, and you relax into him, hmm. and then do what you need to do necessary, Allah Ta'ala will always help you. So this is the most practical thing that I always say, is like, be God-conscious, Mm-hmm. And put your trust in him, and just keep reading Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Right, right, fantastic, uh, Ahmed. You know, you mentioned previously that um, sometime when you when your dear one passed away, for example, your parents and sibling, and at that moment it's very crucial. Yet sometime you lose faith in God. Why me? So, how do you encourage your clients to see you know failures and hardship as a lesson to grow? So the first thing is perspective. I, I teach them the skill of perspective, which is that people think that there's two sides to a story, mm-hmm. but there's almost always six sides to a story. There's what you think happened. There's what I think happened. There's what third party person thinks happened. There's what actually happened. And then there's what Allah Ta'ala thinks happened. So when you can zoom, zoom out a little bit and think about perspective of what you're going through and what this hardship and this trial represents and can represent, you're able to navigate those situations better. I'll give you a personal example. I think two months ago mm-hmm. at the regional Ishtama, I tore my Achilles, which is a tendon in your ankle. Mm-hmm. As soon as I tore it at the Ishtama, as soon as I walked off, I said, Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. The reason I said Alhamdulillah was because I'm practiced at this perspective skill and the first thought that came to mind was, Alhamdulillah, I'm not paralyzed. Right, right. 
if anybody's had an Achilles tear, it feels like a gunshot wound. You, mm. you, got, you got shot in your ankle. And I was the first time I was, Alhamdulillah, I'm not paralyzed. Alhamdulillah, my knee's okay. My ankle's okay. It's just a tendon tear. And this is what the Holy Prophet ﷺ also tells us in the hadith that, you know, when you're looking for things, look for things, look for people that are below you, not people that are above you. Right, right. Because it's all teaching you the perspective of being grateful for what you have. Because if you're grateful for what you have, only then you will be grateful for what you get. Because mm -hmm. if you're continuing to looking to get in the next and next and next thing, you won't be grateful for that either if you're not grateful for what you currently have. So number one is perspective. And then the second thing I teach them is that, embrace the hardship and the failure and the pain human beings are so wired to not want to feel pain and have hardships that they run away from them but when you understand that life is a series of hills and valleys that you will have a valley and then you will have another hill which is what Allah Ta'ala says you know um, that there's surely ease after hardship so when you understand that that is law that is nature when you embrace it it makes life a lot easier knowing that you are going to have a hardship. You are going to have a tough time and that's okay because after that you're going to have a good time as well. And during that process when you're going to be refined and molded mm -hmm. and become better and stronger and you're going to grow. Mm -hmm. So I help them embrace it and not run away from it. All right, great. Um, Sab, in the beginning of this interview uh, when uh, Daniel Sab asked you, that it was difficult for you to put uh, trust in God, which said not necessarily, but it was difficult for me to find God. Uh, can you um, you know elaborate on this point? Um, I I would say that well, I'm still in the process of finding Him. I think that you know there's different levels to finding Allah. Ta'ala. There's um, I, I forget the terminology, but I think the Prophet talks about there's like there's a uh, there's hakul yakin. I forget the other two. But there's different like levels of confirmation that Allah Ta'ala exists. Mm -hmm. So in my in my journey, it's been difficult because I, I this is one thing that I also recommend is I ask very bold things from Allah Ta'ala. So I ask Him for bold prayers mm -hmm. because I think Allah Ta'ala likes bold prayers because when they're answered, I know that no, there's no other way that this happened other than with Allah Ta'ala's help. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Because I'm so specific and bold in my prayers because I'm constantly trying to test Him to see if He's there. <laughs> Because, you know, it's not enough. I want confirmation every single day. And I think that's the hard part where, and I'm starting to pray for that now, that Allah Ta'ala is ease and, you know, let me feel that He's there and let me settle down. Because uh -huh. I'm always looking, I'm always looking. This something happened right now. Uh, yesterday at the regional, uh, at the National Ishtama, we had a National Ishtama at Majid Qadam in Canada. Mm -hmm. I was, because I'm injured, so I'm in my boot. Uh, I have like, a, I don't have crutches, but I'm in a boot. We came out of the market, the session finished, we, everybody was going towards lunch, and it started raining. Mm -hmm. And when we went into the market, they gave us a bag to put over for our shoes. But when we walked out, they were taking the bags away. So I walked all the way out, and I was almost at the market, and I realized that now there's mud here, and my, my boot will get wet. Mm -hmm. But I forgot to take a bag, and I didn't want to walk all the way back because my hip was starting to hurt because it was a long walk. And now I'm looking around, there's like hundreds of khudam coming out, and I'm thinking... And someone, like, maybe someone brought a bag. Maybe someone didn't give the bag back. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking and nobody has a bag. Okay. And then I turned around and I just said to Allah, I'm like, Allah, please. Um, well, I'm sorry, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay. Yeah, so. Um, I said, uh, I said yeah. please send a bag. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I said that, my cousin, who I haven't seen in a long time, he came from Calgary, tapped me on the shoulder. 
And he's like, here you go. <laughs> you give me a bag. Yeah. So he's there. <laughs> yeah, so it was fantastic to have this, you know, uh, faith inspiring story. Uh, last question uh, to you is, what practical tips, uh, you know, could you leave our listeners uh, with to help, uh, you know, then deal with difficult situations? So the most practical thing I can tell you is uh, is not mine. It's from the Holy Quran. Allah Ta'ala says, in Allah uh, ma sabirin. So, seek help with patience and prayer. So you first have to be patient if you're in a difficult time. Don't don't freak out. Um, there's no such thing as an emergency. So first be patient. And then seek help with prayer. Because when you're patient and you seek help with prayer, Allah Ta'ala is with you. He says it, in Allah ma sabirin. So he's with you. And the second thing I would say is everything is figureoutable. Mm-hmm. No matter what you're going through, if you have that mindset of knowing that I can figure anything out, there's always a solution to everything, you will be able to figure that out with Allah Ta'ala's help. And the third thing I would say is that take full responsibility for everything that happens to you in your life. Right. If you're in a difficult situation, it is your fault. Everything is always your fault because if it's not your fault and you point the, you play, you point the finger at someone else, Whenever you blame someone else, you give your power away. Because mm-hmm. in that moment, you think that they have the power and you don't, and now you become the victim. Mm-hmm. Which is why people struggle longer than they need to in difficult times, because they're blaming somebody else versus taking ownership and responsibility for what's happening and start trying to do something about it. Which is why the second thing comes in, everything is figureoutable, take full responsibility and move forward, learn from it, and inshallah, you will grow. Well, I actually... Um, have a question um, around your work, perhaps. Um, you obviously have a very strong <coughs> belief in in God and the Almighty, but religion is is a religion and belief are very out of fashion subjects when we when we talk of the society we we live in. Um, they're not in, so to speak. So, is that something? Is the is this philosophy something that you about belief in God that you incorporate in your in your work life as a life coach as well? Absolutely. Well, my my niche or my target audience are actually Ahmadi men and women. So I only work with Ahmadis. Hmm. So a lot of my coaching actually has to do with their spiritual health. Mm-hmm. So I I bring in my spiritual aspect all the time, and even if I'm working with uh, clients that are not Ahmadi. I still talk about God, I still talk about spirit, I still talk about the universe, whatever they believe in, so that I can help them see things from different angles and help them feel. Because human beings, we're not, we're spiritual beings first. And every single human has a spirit. They might not be tapped into it, but there's always a longing for it. Every human being has that longing to feel that peace and that connection. So I help them do that when with my work, help them connect to their spirit. And when they connect with their spirit, the spirit wants to naturally connect to the higher spirit where it came from, which is Allah Ta'ala. So I help them with that as well. Um, I just don't call it like, you know, I don't just, it depends on where their religion comes from. I'm not going to say it's Allah or it's whatever they believe in. I help them connect to that so they can connect back to themselves and, mm-hmm. uh, and their creator. So it's a huge part of my coaching. Because we're spiritual beings first, and it all comes down to your emotions and your spiritual spiritual health. Excellent. Thank you very much uh, for uh, for joining us, Walam uh, Ahmed. Thank you for uh, uh, for sharing um, uh, your personal journey and your um, um, and a bit about your work as well. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. You're welcome, Hassan Al-Jazah. 
peace be with you. So that was uh, Mr. Walam Ahmed from Canada, who is actually a holistic health and life coach. Um, as I said, joining us all the way from Canada and talking to us about both his own belief system and what he actually tries to do in his work life as well. And uh, on that note, let me go straight now to our second guest for this segment, who is Mr. Imranul Haq Bhatti, who is a Murabi or a missionary serving within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, also in Canada, in Vancouver, in the beautiful Vancouver, Canada. Assalamu alaikum, peace be with you. A very warm welcome, um, Umranul Haq Sahib, for joining us. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum, for having me, and thank you for the warm uh, welcoming. So, um, if I can start by asking, um, we've been talking about uh, tawakkal or the belief in God and the importance of uh, of belief in God. Um, do you do you think this is this is something that um, that can be incorporated in one's belief system in this modern age, when religion, belief, all of these things are uh, are considered archaic? Yes. Uh, you know, as we're going through difficult times and uh, many people are financially, they're being struck and in the UK and in Canada as well with the rising cost of inflation and everything as well. And we see that there's no end to what's happening. Uh, but even when we go back in time and look at the COVID era, and even uh, as Dr. had mentioned this, that during that time, more people became religious or somewhat they became more uh, inclined towards the supreme being. So naturally, as the speakers before me were saying, and we are always inclined to a higher being. And we always have to have a superior or guardian looking after us. And Islam is a religion which encompasses all the natural beauties of other religions and presents it as one perfect package. And Islam shows that, that path, that uh, roadmap, and how to attain that everlasting friendship and to have a best friend in life and to rely on him throughout your difficulties and your, uh, you know, your happiness and your sorrow as well. So even in this time and age, uh, when we're going through all this, people are naturally looking for a creator, looking for something that uh, they're going through in difficult times and Islam is that answer or Islamic teaching is that answer where we can guide them and let them know and how to attain that uh, uh, true inner peace. So what will you say to those people who are still doubters and, and, and when they face challenges and uncertainties, they uh, they question uh, the Almighty, they bring, you know, um, uh, the oft-repeated question of why is there pain when there is a God and there's a merciful God. So what what is it that you will say to them about incorporating tawakkal or belief in their daily lives? What Can you give them any advice as to how to do that? Yes, I mean, the, the typical advice is that, first of all, as Muslims or as those who are not Muslims or non-believers, they need to understand the purpose of why they're here. Or why, what's the reason for them here, whether it is to just attain a, you know, a bank balance or to attain a, a higher degree in this world life, they need to understand that this life that we have is not an everlasting life, but this is a temporary life. And there is something beyond this that uh, we need to look for. And that is what we are preparing for when we're doing all these actions and deeds or commit uh, evil crimes in this day and age. 
So we have to, uh, you know, it's not a one-size-fit-all solution, but we have to look at the people and see what kind of situation they're in or what kind of difficulties they're going through or how that we can understand them, whether they have no religion, uh, uh, for example, or they don't believe in any type of God. So at that time, one person needs to understand them and let them know that there is a supreme being, that there is a higher being, and that you should trust and you should try to rely your trust on a supreme being who can help you go through this. And once you uh, realize it, once you go through that and, and, and come through those difficulties, then automatically you'll be inclined to them. So it's a matter of trusting. It's a matter of, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a trial and error kind of thing. Just like sometimes, you know, when you're listening to these motivational speakers or at some places you go, they say you should try to uh, 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 have, have trust in the person and then they'll close their eyes and there will be someone behind them who will try to catch them. They, they always fall back, but they know that somebody is there or they think that somebody will be there, that they will be uh, taming them or they will hit the ground. So like this, they have to close their eyes and rely on Allah Ta'ala who is always there uh, to catch uh, the individual who is going through difficult times and, and, and propel them through uh, this difficult time. Fantastic. Um, Umran al-Haksab, uh, we are talking about, you know, tawakkul, belief in God, reliance in God, putting your trust in God. But sometimes, you know, uh, people say that uh, we prayed for a certain thing for so long, but still Allah Ta'ala is not listening us, listening to, you know, to, to my problem. And uh, they ending up, you know, uh, losing their faith sometimes. Um, how can you, you know, how can, what advice uh, you can give to them, like religiously, Islamically, uh, and how to cope with these kind of, you know, situations? Yes, uh, you know, when we are having a relationship with Allah Ta'ala, it's a two-way uh, relationship. Right. And as the Prophet once mentioned, he said that this is two-way and it's ongoing. Sometimes a friendship, in a situation of friendship, he listens to you and you, he tries to convince you. And in another situation, the other person or the other friend will try to convince you and he listens to you. Mm-hmm. So it's not always that we think that we are always going to be the one asking Allah Ta'ala that if it doesn't happen, we, you know, we fall back or we become atheists mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. we don't uh, think that there is a higher being. So mm-hmm. sometimes in the bigger picture, we think that we want something, but at the end of the day, Allah Ta'ala knows what is best for us. Right. As the Prophet Messiah once mentioned that he gives the example of a mother when, a, when, the, uh, when she has a child, and the child or the baby is always going towards a hot coal mm-hmm. or fire. Mm-hmm. But because the baby or the child is attracted to the light, to the heat, that he wants to grab it all the time, no mm-hmm. matter how much, even though he's crying, he's begging, whatever. But the mother who knows what's best for the child, knows that this is wrong, this is going to harm him, this is going to be dangerous, it's going to cause uh, uh, you know permanent damage if he touches it. Likewise, no matter what situation, the mother will always try to protect the child. Likewise, this is a situation that we have a relationship with Allah Ta'ala. We might think that we want something so bad that is going to change us, but Allah Ta'ala, who knows us, who knows the future, who is the omnipotent and all-powerful being, uh, tries to divert from us or, or, or tries to help us not go to that extreme, not go to that being. So to all those who think that uh, because God does not listen to us, because we need to understand that not all the time, it is going to work in a situation. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand this is how a friendship uh, is built and this is how a relationship with God Almighty is also built. Fantastic. Um, so, if I may ask you, how does tawakkul, you know, 
relate to taking proactive steps and making efforts while trusting in Allah's plan? Mm-hmm. Well, number one thing is that, of course, you have to believe in Allah Ta'ala. You have to have a strong determination in Allah the Almighty, the Creator. And once you have that belief, which comes through many aspects, whether it is praying five times a day, uh, whether it is uh, 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 you're reading the Holy Quran and pondering over His words and His uh, uh, do's and don'ts and following the 700 commandments that are mentioned in the Holy Quran. So once those are there, then you can say that I have some sort of knowledge, some sort of understanding in Allah Ta'ala. But then we see in the Prophet's life as well that there are always... Uh, 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 have a complete trust in Allah Ta'ala. Mm-hmm. So, slowly, slowly, number one is that to have your increase the knowledge, how to build the relationship with Allah, how to uh, increase your your uh, uh, your knowledge about Allah Ta'ala. And once you have that, then automatically, uh, when you when you put all the uh, material means to use, then mm-hmm. you rely mm-hmm. on Allah Ta'ala and you leave the matter into Allah Ta'ala's hands and you wait for the outcome. But before right. all of this, you have to have understanding, you have to have a knowledge. You cannot just, uh, you know, uh, as the saying goes, shoot the arrow uh, in the darkness and hope that it lands. But you have to do your research, you have to have understanding, you have to have complete knowledge of Allah's uh, omnipotent power, his, his, his being, and his the Holy Quran. You can take measurable steps to attain that knowledge that the Oliyas and the Holy Prophet ﷺ have attained. So, um, uh, Imam, when we talk about uh, trusting in Allah, so one question arises every time, how much of, a, of our fate is in our own hands and how much is predestined for us? Yes. Uh, you know, this is a very good question and it comes over and over again. But when we look and study uh, the uh, the Holy Quran and the examples of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, People think that uh, that there's a distinction that we need to make between what is predestined and what we can do. We always have a divine decree, or which is called qadr, mm-hmm. but there's a distinction between knowing and forcing someone into doing something, right? So due to the limited understanding, people have mixed up these two concepts, believing that because everything is within the knowledge of Allah Ta'ala, the exalted, our future actions or our ultimate fate, be the paradise or hell, it all transpires by his will. Uh, they think that humans have no say in this. However, when we look at the analogy or example of a teacher, when the teacher is there and he has students uh, full of classroom, the teacher knows that certain students will excel and exceed if they continue to study. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the teacher also knows that even if a person does not continue to study, they will fail or they need to pay more attention. Likewise, this is the same example that can be applied to uh, Allah's knowledge and capacity of our universe. That we think that Allah, uh, when we are there in the universe or when we are as a human being, Allah knows what happens. When we need to take an effort, as mentioned in the Holy Quran, they said, insana illa ma'ta, that nothing mm-hmm. can be achieved without doing anything. So we cannot just sit back and relax and, and say that you know, everything will be fine and wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm going to run a triathlon or a marathon. But even in this life, we do this of years of experience, of years of training, and months of training. So likewise, in this as well, we all can do something and, uh, 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 in this life and leave some of the, uh, the matters into Allah's hands that we have control over. And everything else, we try our level best and uh, 100% and, and, see, uh, and uh, pray for the best outcome. All right. Fantastic. So... Uh, 
you know, um, Imam, could you share an example of the life of the Holy Prophet where tawakkul, putting your trust in God, played a significant role? Yes, as we know that the Holy Prophet was, uh, you know, the Fatim al-Nabiyyin, the seal of the Prophet, and all of the previous attributes that were mentioned, other Prophets were at the apex in the Holy Prophet And in Bukhari, he is also given the title as Al-Mutawakkil, the one who depends on Allah Ta'ala. And coincidentally, one of the names, out of nine names of Allah Ta'ala is Al-Makil, which means the one who can be trusted or the guardian. So we have many examples in the life of the Holy Prophet of so some 23 years of prophethood. But even before his life, uh, uh, as when he was commissioned as a prophet, uh, doing the example of when he had the uh, organization of Hibs al-Fazul, that uh, to service mankind and to uh, help people in the distressed and needy. Uh, one time a person had come um, uh, to uh, Abu Jahl, and because he had some money that uh, he needed to pay back to the individual, and Abu Jahl with the intention of not paying him back, said, you know, jokingly said that, go to uh, Muhammad, that, you know, he will try maybe to give the money that I won't pay. So the individual uh, went to the Holy Prophet وسلم, and said that so-and-so mm-hmm. is not uh, paid by debt. Uh, can you please help me? The Holy Prophet وسلم, right away uh, got up with the individual and went to Abu Jahl and he demanded and, he, and uh, instructed him to pay back the, uh, the debt that he owed to this individual right away. Right. This is the same individual before he said he was mocking and said, go to the uh, Muhammad وسلم, and he will uh, give you uh, that back. Mm-hmm. But when the Holy Prophet commanded him to do so, right away, he went back to his household and gave the individual the money that he was owed. And later on, when this uh, 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 Abu Jahl was asked, why did you give the money back? He said that when the Holy Prophet mm-hmm. came and asked to give the money back, I saw two lions in one narration, mentioned two lions at the back of the Holy Prophet ready to attack me. Mm-hmm. Another narration mentioned two uh, camels were ready to attack me. Mm-hmm. Out of the fear I gave, uh, you know, of the Holy Prophet I had given the uh, individual the money that owned it. So there are many examples: the Battle of Badr, the, uh, the incidents of Medina, mm-hmm. um, uh, the Hijrat of Wall is a great example, and uh, the Holy Prophet وسلم, uh, throughout his life. Uh, it the many examples that we, we can also, uh, when we read them, it, uh, we can also assess ourselves and how much love and faith, the work that we have upon Allah Taala. Right, fantastic. Uh, so, uh, Imam, if you can just elaborate uh, lastly on this point, um, why it is important in one's life to have tawakkul in Allah Ta'ala? It's very important, as I mentioned before, and, and we will be talking about this in the show as well, that in this day and age, when loneliness is at a rise, when uh, you know, mental health is on the rise, when uh, being uh, alone is also on the rise, we need to have a friend that we can rely on that can look out for us, that can help us in this life and in the last, next life as well. And that is uh, the friend that we can rely on is Allah the Almighty. And once we rely on Him, uh, you know, this, this, the formula is there. We just need to apply it into our life, into our day-to-day life, and, and see the outcome of it. And once we realize the outcome of it, then we will never seek any other friendship besides the friendship that we have with Allah Ta'ala. And throughout our life, we will always go on Him, whether we are uh, grieving, whether we are happy, whether we're going through difficult times or some uh, happiness in our life as well. Fantastic. 
Thank you so much, Imam uh, Umran al-Haq Bhatti Sahib, for, to come uh, to in this drive-time show. And I appreciate your time uh, to giving uh, to give the insight of, of this topic. Thank you so much for coming. So that were over our second guest of uh, this hour uh, was explained uh, us what is uh, you know what is tawakkul, putting your trust in Allah Taala, and why it is important in our life, and also uh, shared with us uh, the example of the life of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu where tawakkul played a significant role. Now we're going to uh, hear an audio of Hazuri uh, Akhtas, may Allah be pleased with him. Uh, and this audio is about how to increase your faith and trust in Allah the Almighty. One Khadim asked how he could increase his faith and trust in Allah the Almighty. So the first thing is that how long do you take in offering Fajr prayer? Five minutes? Uh, Five to ten minutes around that time. Four rakas in five to ten minutes. How can you understand? Su- How can you understand yeah. Surah Fatiha in five to ten minutes? You see, <laughs> while see. offering your sunnah, if you are not offering your fajr prayer or any of the prayer in congregation in the mosque, and and on your own, you should recite Surah Fatiha repeatedly when you are doing your own prayers. And say Hidinasaratal Mustaqim, Hidinasaratal Mustaqim, Hidinasaratal Mustaqim. So Allah Ta'ala will guide you on the right path. Eh? So repeatedly do it in your prayers. And in your Saidas, fervently pray to Allah Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala give you the strength to be a good believer and firm in your faith. So it will take time. You see, what are you doing? Are you going to school or college, university? I'm going to school, high school. School, grade 12? Yes. Achha. So see, this is your final year in the secondary school. Until and unless you work hard, you know the in-depth knowledge of your subjects which are being taught to you or your whatever is in your syllabus or in your course, or in your books. You cannot qualify or succeed. How can you qualify your level of uh, piety and righteousness without struggling hard and striving hard? So you are you're giving six, seven hours to your studies after schools, before the exams. But here, you, don't, you give only five minutes or ten minutes at the most. And even whatever you are reading in the Holy Quran, you don't know what are you reading. So if you don't know about your subject, how can you write the answer? When you see the question paper and you have read the book without knowing what was the, what was what is the meaning of that, you cannot understand the question. Right? Mm-hmm. To understand the question, you should know that what is the answer and where it was written in the book, in my syllabus and what the teacher taught me about uh, this subject, then you will try to answer it. Here, you don't know anything about what Allah Ta'ala is saying and you are asking that, how can I believe in Allah Ta'ala? You don't know what Allah Ta'ala is saying, how can you believe in Him? You have to find out. 
you read the Holy Quran with translation, then you would know. Then Thank it you. will strengthen. Then it will strengthen you, your faith and your belief in Allah Taala. Right? Okay. Right. Assalamualaikum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So that was His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad talking about how one can increase tawakkul, trusting his, trusting you know Allah Taala's plan, and how one can increase the faith. So we are talking about tawakkul, um, putting your trust or reliance in God's plan and belief in God. And when we look towards all of the prophets of God. They are the they have the best example or they are the you know best example uh, to how to put trust or how to do tawakkul in Allah Taala, God Almighty. So first of all, if we look towards the life of Hazrat Ibrahim, may Allah be pleased with him. If we look towards his life, um, in his life there was a there was great tribulation, tribulation and you know uh, difficulty. For example. Allah the Almighty, you know, commanded him or instructed him to, you know, um, he saw in his dream that Allah Ta'ala, he's, you know, slaughtering his own son. And uh, as act of obedience, uh, and he put, put his trust uh, in God's plan was so strong that he actually prepared to sacrifice his own son. But at the, at, at the end, it was a trial for him. And then, at the end, he was, you know, succeed, succeeded. And now, uh, you know, all of the Abrahamic religion um, are, you know, they relate themselves to the Prophet Ibrahim because of, you know, his huge sacrifice and his putting trust in Allah's plan. Then if we, uh, you know, talk about another Prophet, Prophet, uh, you know, Yusuf, Joseph, he was, you know, in his life, uh, you know, lifetime story it you know highlights a great trust in God's plan even though you know uh, he was betrayed by his own brothers and they put him into the well and then you know uh, he became a slave and then uh, later on in his life he was unjustly you know imprisoned but he remained you know putting his trust in God and believed in God and ultimate you know the purpose that Allah Ta'ala uh, is all powerful and and at the end Allah Taala reward him, and he became you know uh, uh, eventually he you know uh, became uh, authority uh, in in uh, Egypt, and uh, he became you know um, uh, ending up serving that country. Similarly, if you look look towards the life of the Holy Prophet in the Battle of Badr, you know he put his trust in in Allah Taala, and uh, he he prayed for the Muslim. And there were only 313 companions against the 1,000 well-equipped, you know, army. But still, uh, by putting trust in Allah Ta'ala and doing whatever is necessary, at the end, the Holy Prophet won that battle. So all of these examples shows us that, you know, tawakkul is something that we are much needed in our life. When you know one lose hope, then the only tawakkul, trusting your, uh, trusting in your God, uh, you know it it gives you some kind of comfort. Nothing else. So this is why having 
tawakkul or having reliance in your god is very important so if we talk about the you know um what is uh, you know uh, tawakkul so allah the almighty says in the holy quran that and when you have decided then rely upon allah indeed allah loves those who rely upon him so tawakkul trusting in god does not consist in disregarding the material means of doing a thing on the contrary tawakkul as taught by islam means that a person should first make use of all resources at his command and then place his trust in god to bless his efforts with success believing all the time that the means can be successful only if and when god wills it and that and and that the true cause and the real you know uh, s- scores of all success is god alone so we'll uh, take a quick break here and then we'll get back to you assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh may peace and blessings of allah be upon you welcome back to this live edition of the drive time show with with, with this afternoon or late afternoon we're talking about tawakkul or the belief in god and how important it is uh, for us to have a belief in god have an anchor in our life have a rock in our life and what better rock to have than um, god himself than the almighty himself uh, and uh, before we went on to the break uh, imam um, imran was was talking about uh, maybe some or was about to talk about some narrations of uh, the Uh, traditions or hadith of the prophet uh, muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him so uh, do you want to continue that imam yeah. imran absolutely thank you so much so um there was a very beautiful uh, saying of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him he said uh, if you ask ask allah and if you seek help seek help from allah and there is a very beautiful another hadith that um if you need a shoelaces uh, if if you're in need of a shoelace then only ask Allah Taala and put your trust in Him. Then, Hazrat uh, Omar bin Al Khattab, who are also the second Caliph of Islam, may Allah be pleased with him, um, stated that the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, "If you are to rely upon Allah with the reliance He is due, then He would provide for you just as a bird is provided for. It goes out in the morning empty and returns full." So this is you know this is the islamic teaching regarding tawakkul and if we talk about you know how to develop a tawakkul so first of all one needs to strengthen his faith depending on understanding of his attributes you know deepening the understanding of his attributes his mercy his wisdom the more you know and believe in allah the easier it is to trust him then recognize that everything that happens is ultimately under the control of Allah and he has a divine plan for every individual then making dua making prayer and seek guidance from Allah in all aspects of your life ask for his help and guidance in making decisions and trust that he will answer your prayer in the best way as Allah Taala says in the holy quran wa iza sa'alaka ibadi anni fa inni qareeb ujibu da'wat ad-da'i iza da'ani falyastajibu li wal yu'minuni and when my servant asks thee about me say i am near i answer the prayer of the supplicant when he prays to me so they should hearken to me and believe in me that they may follow the right way so it's a two way connection a two way relationship 
So Allah Ta'ala says that you have to you have to do prayer, you have to listen to me, but also you have to act upon my commandments as well. As you have a friendship with your friend, sometimes he listens to you and sometimes you listen to him. Similarly, connection with Allah. Then while relying on Allah, take responsible actions in your life. This means doing your best, putting in effort and taking necessary steps to achieve your goals or address challenges. Then understand that not everything will go as planned. When faced with setbacks or unexpected outcomes, accept them with grace and patience, knowing that Allah's wisdom surpasses your understanding. That is why we find in the Holy Quran a great verse, وَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ وَعَسَىٰ أَن تُحِبُّ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ That is, there are some times when we dislike you know something but in it is in actuality it is good for us and there are some times when we think that something is good but in reality it, it was not a good thing for us so i think these are some of the aspect how can we build tawakkul and how we can you know increase our faith in god excellent thank you very very much uh, for that imam imran akram and ladies and gentlemen that was our show this afternoon we've talked about two subjects we talked about uh, going back to schools uh, we also talk about uh, the belief in god the importance of belief in god uh, the importance of having a rock in your life um, uh, importance of having um, uh, having your god by your side um, both in uh, in good and in in bad bad times. If you haven't had a chance to listen to these shows, please do go into SoundClouds, and you can always always listen to the recordings. I must thank our producer uh, Faizal Sayed, as well as excellent help um, from the tech room. Um, I must also thank um, uh, my other producers, um, Zainab Fatima, uh, Jamila Bryant, uh, Jamila Bryant, and Miss Batarik. Um, as well as my co-presenter here, my partner in crime, Imam Imran Akram. Thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, until uh, tomorrow where there will be another live drive time show here from the South London Studios of Voice of Islam. This was your host, Daniel Zia and Imam Imran Akram on the drive time show. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you.